Welcome to another inspirational message from Liberty Church in Omaha, Nebraska. awesome when we have an opportunity to gather to uh, get all cleaned up because it's Easter, you know, sport coat and all that stuff. But most importantly, it's just, I got so tired of the mass where you couldn't see a smile. When you meet people, when you greet people, you just couldn't see the smile. And we're back to being able to hug one another and to be able to smile. It's just nice to be with the church family. Amen. Amen. We are celebrating 30 years of this church. I've been pastoring for 39 years. But Liberty was formed, and uh, it was in April. It was the first Sunday of April, and it was Easter. So we just decided to celebrate the first Sunday and all the way through Easter. And part of that is uh, having a few people come up and just share for a moment. And I'm looking for Leah. Do I see her in the house? There she is over there. I think there's a microphone over here. Yeah, that one's on right here. Just to share a minute. Last Sunday's just touched this congregation so much. The people get shared, and I want Leah and then Merritt to come up. So go ahead, girl. Hello. Good morning, guys. Um, so I'm going to keep it short and simple. Um, but I wanted to talk about just like how. It's been for me, like literally growing up going to this church. I've been going here since I was seven. I turned 25 this year. I'll let you guys do the math. Um, so it was really, really good for me, like not only for my faith, but also just me as a person, like growing up around such awesome role models like Brandon, Charity, Mercedes, Colin, Lucas, um, Pastor Jim, Pastor Deborah, so many others. Um, it's just so awesome for me. And like my growth as a person, who knows where I would be and what I'd be doing if I didn't go here. You know, you just, you just never know. Um, but so, yeah, it's been really awesome for me. And like literally starting going to kids' church and then being a kids' leader, going to youth. Um, so many crazy stories there. Um, <laughs> and then now being on the worship team has just been like so great for me. And and. I'm in, a lot of you know, like, I'm in nursing school, which has been, like, super hard, but just having, like, awesome people around me to, like, support me and encourage me has just been the best. That's all. There you go. Woo! Hmm. Scripture says that we, we basically you hang out with people of like precious faith. Uh, we all make decisions, and we make those decisions based upon something. And when you put the foundation of God's word and his kingdom and the church coming together, you have a great foundation for decisions. And uh, she's a good girl. Really appreciate her. Merritt, would you come forward? Now, there are people with me when I was pastoring for, you know, the nine years before in two different locations. Um, but when we were moving to this, from north to south, uh, Merritt and Beth Weiss were the first people I knew others were going to come, but they're the first ones that got a hold when it was announced that day and said, the Holy Spirit told us to go with you. And that was an incredible encouragement to us because I knew I had a, a, some friends who would come with me, but I got the Holy Spirit telling people to come with me. It meant a lot. We were living in northwest Iowa when we first had um, 
TV that showed Christians teaching. And it was Kenneth Copeland Ministries was the first person we really got to know. And then we found a church where we were living in Iowa. And then Merritt had to move us to Omaha, which my family all lived up there. But anyway, so when we were going to move, over it by now. I'm over it. <laughs> we yeah. can tell. Yeah. So we called Kenneth Copeland Ministries to find out where was a good church to go to in Omaha. And they gave us the name of the church where pastor was. He wasn't the pastor. You were the, I don't know what Co-pastor. I was. Co-pastor at the yeah. time. So, and then he ended up starting his own church. So we were, um, you know, immediately I knew. I didn't even know his name. I said, we're going with the guy with the black mustache. <laughs> I told him that. I said, that that's guy. it. It's it. They came out to our house, and we had a nice visit with them, and we said, yep, that's the one. So we were so thankful to be able to move with you as you moved into your new ministry and everything, and it's been such a blessing to us. It's been a great, great you. blessing to the, to the whole church. Well, first of all, thank God for Resurrection Sunday. Amen? If Jesus wouldn't have done what he did, none of us would even bother. I mean, wouldn't, nothing else would matter, right? Thank God for that. And I think Joyce said it this morning when I came in. She said, how about that Jesus? Right? And that, I think that was something like that. But So we are so thankful for this church. And uh, Beth is right on. I mean, the Holy Spirit told her, go with the guy with the black mustache. Holy Spirit told me separately, this was separately, I, was, I had no intention of, of coming. I, I didn't give it any thought. I was, I'm pretty loyal, and I was going to stay there. And Holy Spirit told me specifically, support Jim and Deborah. And we didn't know him very well at that time, but I, I said, yes, sir. And uh, we sure have not regretted that. So many fond memories over all these years. You know, I was thinking about the memories that are so hard because... There's so many, but I, I can remember the, like the Roger Blair events where we had people so drunk in the Holy Spirit they couldn't drive home. We literally had to drive them home. Yes, we did. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen people drunk in the Holy Spirit, but it was, it was wild. And, uh, and the next day, I think a couple of them were still pretty. Uh, no, two didn't go to work. They, they were still not ready to go to work. Yeah. And, and they, they literally couldn't stand up. It was pretty exciting. And of course, uh, the the '99 tent. What a uh, what an event. What a in my memory, um, that was. So, thank you so much for bringing that in and agreeing to it, and the effort that went into it. I I know I personally sat down and prayed the prayer of salvation with I think 107 people over the week. Okay. Individually. That that, that accepted Christ. Most of them kids and young adults. I remember I had that pimp that kept calling me in the middle of the night for like weeks afterwards. Wow. And, and so I witnessed to him every time he finally quit calling me. But um, it was, it, that all came from the 99 tent and all the, uh, the follow-ups that we did with so many of those people and the dessert auctions and the, the auction the day that we moved out of the big church, Brandon, he's not in here, but oh my goodness, did Brandon work hard uh, on that day of that auction to get all that stuff out and just fun stuff yep. and the, the church picnics and we're so thankful that we're, you're not only our pastors but our friends and we miss Mercedes Mercedes yes we love you it's a season yes. you'll be back here we, yeah. we pray for you every day and uh, we are 
honored to be here. Good. Thank you so much. <laughs> Just sort of chokes me up, sorry. Uh, if you haven't come on a Wednesday night, you ought to come. When he talked about being drunk, we're seeing the Holy Ghost moving as we spend time with him in the word. We've had so many answered prayers, healings. Two of the men are getting promotions. Just stuff happening in their life. And I'll tell you, it's a really good environment of faith. Really good environment. We're going to talk today uh, on the supernatural on Resurrection Day. Deborah and I had a chance to uh, go to Israel, and we went to many places. One of them that you just dumbfounds you is when they show you the tomb, and off, up on the hill is Golgotha. You could see the skull print look, why they call it Skull Mountain. You can see it, and that's where the crucifixion was, and this is where they uh, took his body to a rich man's uh, tomb, and they carve it all. There's, everything is rock in Israel. I mean, it's just rocks everywhere. But what they have is a seven-foot-tall circle that's about five to six inches thick, and they put it over uphill, and they make like a gutter trough to guide it, and you can walk into the uh, tomb itself, and the tomb would be this, oh, about a 12 by 12 on the inside, and there's some, uh, this is, this is it, and when they put the body in there, they are to seal the, the tomb so that any belongings or stuff they put in there, and, or grave robbers, whatever, it rolls down that little trough and it's going to take a bunch of men to do it, and then roll it over the opening, and then they put a seal of some kind of, uh, it's not wax, it's stronger and more uh, precious than that. It just really cements it. But they also, in this case, put a Roman stamp because a Roman guard was also put it in there. And if you break that seal, you die. Rome, the soldiers will kill you. You don't violate that. And so on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, when he came out, the stone would have been easier to roll down the trough than up the trough. The stone's up the trough on its side on the ground. Men don't do that. Just took the angels a second, but men don't do that. So in Mark chapter 5, we're going to talk about some supernatural things today that uh, sometimes we just do a drive-by, but it's very important to our faith. And in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, and I won't do the whole thing, but understand it says uh, in verse oh, 22, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and said, besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray that you come and lay hands on her that she may live. Jesus agrees to go. It's a big deal for Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue. Jesus wasn't accepted by all the rulers by any means. So, I mean, he's putting his career on the line, but he loves his daughter. 
And as he goes, there's a lady with an issue of blood coming, and she touches the hem of his garment, and she gets healed. But it takes time. He's concerned that his daughter is going to die, and here Jesus stops. And then he says, don't say anything, just only believe. And there are often times when we are in predicaments in life, I pretty much just say, shut up, only believe. Don't talk the problem all the time. Talk the answer. Right. <clears throat> and we, by our carnality, oftentimes we overemphasize what we're feeling and what we're doing, <clears throat> and we don't believe the scripture. And in this case, he told Jairus, only believe. They also tell Jesus, don't bother the master, she's dead. And that's when he said, only believe. Shut up. Oh, don't say a word. So they go to the house, and at the house, they have already, and as Jewish traditions, are, they already got the whalers and the uh, places crowded and all this. And he tells them that, hey, the girl's asleep, and they know she's dead, and they start laughing at him and mocking him. They had to clear out the house. And when they did, he went in and he raised this girl from the dead. Just raised her up. Sometimes just think on that for a little bit. He just raised her up. In Luke chapter 7, verse 12, And now when it came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widower, and much people in the city were there. He was just walking into town. He was just walking into town, and a procession, and they carry up on your shoulders a, a bed type of thing to the location. And Jesus just interrupts the procession. He wasn't cool at all. He, he just walked up and rose the boy from the dead right there in front of all of them. There was no organ music going on. There was no... This or that, he just walked in and interrupted a funeral procession and raised the boy from the dead. I love that. Amen. I think that's great. In John chapter 11, it's all about Lazarus. But you have to read the story at the beginning to get a good feel for it. Uh, now there's a certain man who was sick is Lazarus in Bethany town of Mary and Martha and it was Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet whose brother was Lazarus was sick therefore the sister sent unto him Lord behold he whom you love is sick he and Lazarus are friends the very beginning of chapter 12 they're having lunch together, so they're in the house at meat. They're, they're eating together. These, they hung out. And so my nature would be this. You tell me that Howard's sick. I love Howard. I'm going to go see him immediately. It says that he stayed there preaching and healing for two more days. The day that when they found him, two days, and he comes on the fourth day. Four days. Why is that important? The Sadducees believe in their rules that they make for religion. 
and they believe a person could be raised from the dead up to three days. At the end of three days, it's not possible. Okay? Jesus waited and came on the fourth. You got to like this. He already knew in prayer what he was going to do. He said, Father, I thank you that you've already always hear me. He didn't make a big prayer. He just yelled at Lazarus to come forth. And he walked out in grave clothes in front of all of those people. Then he said, get the grave clothes off. Get, him, get, 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 get him back to normal life. Now this is close to Passover. It's six days away from Passover. Jews from around the world are going to come to Jerusalem for it. It's like having Berkshire Hathaway here. I mean, they invade the city. Place is packed. And don't you know that I all want to see the dead man? Because Lazarus was wealthy and well-known throughout that area. And they, they want to see the dead man. I just think it's great. He just said, Lazarus, come forth. It wasn't one of these long prayers. Just simply do this. You'll find in the Holy Spirit, oftentimes we in our prayer life add so much stuff to it that you, you just get, get to it. Say it plain and simple. Lord, my body's hurt here. I receive healing right now. It's not a long, flowery prayer. Just get to it. Just get to it. Amen? Okay. Now we're going to do a little bit in Acts chapter 8, 39. And verse 40, you have Philip, a deacon. Now we think deacon is a church term of some important person. Basically, they're table waiters. They were taking care of the widows and the kids so the apostles didn't have to do it. They were waiters. But Stephen and Philip are mentioned that they went out and did mighty signs and wonders. So they did their job they volunteered to do. But when they were done, they're taking the power of Jesus Christ to the streets. And Philip is out there talking to a eunuch. And it says, I love this, and he, he the Lord caught Philip up away. Philip disappeared from that location and we ended up at another location. We don't think something, that happened. One location, he's in another. The apostles were so strong when they got filled with the Holy Ghost that they have no problem saying, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. We oftentimes, at our prayer, in our, end of our prayers, we go, in Jesus' name, it's like just a tag on. But that's the name that every knee bows, every tongue confesses that he's Lord. That's the name that the demonic world can't stand because when he came out of that grave he also had the keys of hell death and the grave he took satan's stuff from him and got our authority back to become sons and daughters of god isn't that great now acts chapter 9 verse uh, 40 is a lady named dorcas she's well known she makes stuff, uh, linens and things. She's well-known in the business world. There, she had a lot of friends. She did a lot of great things for the church, and she falls sick and dies. And there's an important thing to add to this story. From the first story, when Jesus went into the girl, it's just he turned to her and just, 
Okay? In this case, it's going to be Peter. She's dead. There's, oh, we're crying. We miss her. She was so good, so good. And they're wailing, and he gets everybody out, closes the door. And it says, and then turning to her, before he looked at her, he prayed. Miracles happen when you put Jesus first. He could have done it just like Jesus did, and he basically did. But first he made sure of his assignment. What do you want me to do? And so many times, we don't take time just to say, Holy Spirit, talk to me about this. What, what, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? Amen? Okay. Well, that's Dorcas. I, this is one of my all-time favorites. I know Saul got knocked off his donkey onto his donkey on the ground. He, he got blinded. I was, the word is ass that they say it there, but he, he got knocked on his too. But there he meets Jesus. He didn't meet an angel. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That was Jesus talking to him. This is the guy putting Christians in jail, even having some of them stoned like Stephen. He is the, he's the primo boy of the Jewish... I mean, he's referred to even now as that student because he, they felt he was so wound up trying to be perfect according to the law. He just couldn't take it, so he made up Christianity. So it's easy. He just couldn't take it anymore. And they referred to him, and we had the national uh, tour guide director as our... They refer to him as that student. Saul's a bad boy until he met Jesus. Now, he's not stupid either, because the first thing he says when Jesus, why do you persecute me? He goes, Lord. He just made the switch real quick, which was very smart. And people have often said, well, look at all the things Jesus put him through to teach him. No, he spent time with the Lord before he started his ministry. Jesus chose him because this man will not quit. So he's in about 150 miles away from where this is going to happen is another town. The town rose up against him because the, the religious body, all about resurrection of the dead, resurrection of the dead. No, no, no. And so they followed Paul. They want to kill Paul, and they follow him to another city. And there they grab him. And it says, uh, that's Acts chapter 9, or Acts 14, Let's turn there real quick if you've got your Bibles, or it'll go up on the screen, I'm sure. I make Nick really work back there. Why is this important? Just watch. Verse 19. I'll start with 18. And here they came, thither the Jews from Antioch and Iconium, and persuaded the people of having Paul stoned. They drew him outside the city. They stoned him, supposed that he was dead. These people want him dead. They just didn't take it haphazardly. They were convinced this man's dead. Okay? And uh, howbeit, uh, as his disciples stood about him three great words he rose up he just got up 
He just got up. His enemies see him on the ground, and he's dead. And even if he was still maybe alive, you think he's going to get up? He's going to be laying there hurt. His men come to get his body, and it just says, he got up. And a few months later, he's back in the town where the guys who tried to kill him, he's back there preaching resurrection of the dead. I'm back, guys. <laughs> there is a resurrection of the dead. Now you know it. Some incredible supernatural things happened in the church when the resurrection took place, and he gave us power and authority. Power and authority. But we don't think often about some of the things I'm going to use today uh, until we come out of this, this time. Uh, let's go to Matthew. Not mentioned very often. Now, if there was a demon-possessed man in Bellevue, and he lived in the cemetery, he broke chains, and people were scared to death of him, do you think Omaha might know? Yeah, that's, that's a cemetery you don't go to. You just don't. You know, I'll, I'll go around because he's there, right? Here's one that they don't talk about, about just pretty much, this has got to be Halloween. It's got to be scary, okay? Matthew 27, and we're at verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, and the earth did quake, and the uh, rocks rent and broke. The veil was torn. That's solid woven gold. Man can't rip it, but an angel can. But listen to this. I've got to get to the right place. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, I'm taking too long, I apologize. And I'm not finding it. It's so simple. Jim, come on. 27, 51 through I can't get it from here. Uh, basically, people who were dead came out of their tombs and walked the streets of Jerusalem. Well, then that hit the evening news. Many dead people rose with Jesus and they walked the streets of Jerusalem. So my mom and dad are both in heaven and it would be really interesting to uh, have dad knock on the door and say, hey, can I come in? Dad's back. This happened. This is what the supernatural power of God, resurrection power, does. It alters everything. And we are supposed to yield to the Holy Spirit, let Him work through us, and in so doing, we're going to grow and we're going to mature. I mean, I'm... Uh, let's go to John 20. I can, at least, I, hopefully I have that one now.
and we're going to go with uh, chat six, verse six and seven. Now we've walked in that sepulcher. Ceilings about seven feet, and there are the walls, and it, it, it's such. It's hard to describe how you feel experiencing it. Okay, but here it says, and he cometh Peter. Following him, he went into the sepulchre and seeth the linen clothes lying, and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen, but wrapped together in a place by itself. There is a tr Jewish tradition that if you put a dead person in the tomb and the veil needs to be off the face because he could still be raised from the dead. Jesus defeats hell, death, and the grave. Took the keys right from Satan in front of all his boys. Made an open display, it says. He just beat the snot out of them. He just, whoosh. Remember, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. It wasn't a tough fight like we see in movies. One's barely winning the other one. No. He destroyed Satan's power. And upon raising up, he's going to go take literally his blood, and put it on the mercy seat in heaven for all of us. But before he goes, he's doing some things, okay? Maybe he needs to talk to Peter after Peter denied him, restore him, maybe, you know, have them get positioned to have the Holy Spirit come so that he can direct the church. But at this time, he took time to fold his clothes. Who does that? Jesus rose from the dead, and he, he's, he's got his clothes over here, but he takes the napkin and puts it over there and folds it. Signaling to every Jew. Romans wouldn't know to do that. The Jews understand it. Resurrection Sunday. He wasn't in a hurry. He was out there doing what he needs to do for us. Amen? Okay. Now, John chapter 20, we were right there, verses 14 and 17. So when he had said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know it was Jesus. And he said, woman, why are you weeping? Who do you seek? She, supposing him to be a gardener, said unto him, sir, they have taken, uh, let's see, sir, thou have been born Hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, that I may take him away. And Jesus said, Mary. And she turned herself and said to Rabboni, which is master. And he says, don't touch me yet. I have not ascended to my father. Can you imagine? If you were at the crucifixion, I thought the passion did it really, really well. It is a Roman game they play, like when a mouse plays, or with a cat plays with a mouse, that's from the time of his judgment to go walking, uh, carrying the cross, all that, the whippings, the crown, all that stuff is part of their game. Most people did not make it to the cross. They died on the way. They had the, uh, the other guy carry it for a time because they didn't want him to die there. They wanted him to die there, which is the crucifixion is the worst 
physical torture death you can have. And that's medically proven. It's just excruciating pain. Your heart's exploding. Your lung, it's just, and he's going to go do that. And he, was, he said his visage, his picture was so marred he didn't look like a man. You put 39 stripes upon your back, your skin's basically pulled off, and just the membrane is holding everything back. It's awful. It's gory. <clears throat> and here he is in resurrection form. Only scars are on his body, on his feet, and his hands, and his side. Everything else is totally restored. She didn't recognize him. But when he talked to her, she caught it. I would like to tell you that the Bible says that we sometimes entertain angels unaware the Holy Spirit and the angelic forces of life that Jesus gave us want to be involved in our lives oftentimes much more than we seem to want. But he will, he will lead and guide you into all the truth. He will show you things to come, it says in John. So life with the Holy Spirit is the way to go. <coughs> okay. Uh, he's on the road... Some disciples were talking about what went on in Jerusalem and Jesus' death. This is Luke 24, 13 through 31, MS Way. And Jesus spends the afternoon with them walking. And they want him to spend the night with them. They don't know it's him. They don't recognize him. But it says as soon as he broke bread, communion with them, they remembered, <clears throat> they discovered it's Jesus. But it says here, uh, he just vanished. He was gone. Just gone. Talking to Howard. Howard's just gone. That was happening. All this is going on around the resurrection. Same with when Jesus was born. That wasn't a little quiet manger scene. God lit up the sky with multitude of angels singing. Multitude. You can't count that many. And with their glory, the light on them, they lit up the sky in a little Bethlehem town that didn't have light bulbs. Jesus is risen from the dead, and these things are happening. It's incredible. In Luke 24, 36 through 51, Jesus stood in the midst of the disciples. The doors were locked. They thought the guards were going to come get them, and do to them what they did to Jesus. Everything's locked. And it says he stood in the midst of them. And they think it's a ghost. And he, so he does this. He showed them his hands, showed them his side. Okay? They still had trouble believing. Now we have done a disservice to Thomas. Because he's called Doubting Thomas. Unless I see and I, I will not believe. Okay? Then Jesus shows up. By the way. Jesus wasn't with Thomas when Thomas told the disciples. But Jesus knew what he had said by the Spirit and showed him. The reason I, I want to lighten up a little bit on Thomas is because the other ten at that time, they had to see. They weren't any better than Thomas. He had to show them. But I tell you, when people have miracles happen in their life, people just sometimes... <clears throat> Uh, we had a medical nurse one time. She, <clears throat> she's uh, in the operating room. Yes, please. Uh, thank you. She had a 
tumor on her breast. Her doctors found it. She and her husband came to church and wanted prayer. <clears throat> Under their instruction, I could put my hand on her shoulder. No, she said, put it right here on the tumor. <clears throat> so I put my hand on the tumor. She went back. She was going to have it operated on and removed. <clears throat> she went back, and they did more pictures on it. They can't find it. Gone. Medical minds, here are the tests, and it's here. And the only thing you did over the weekend, you went to church and somebody prayed for you? They thought this was a big-time practical joke. She still, to this day, has those x-rays. It's gone. Don't let the supernatural power of God ever cause you to tighten up or be afraid. He wants to use you to heal people. He wants to use you to be the difference maker, to be a peacemaker. I mean, if you can restore a marriage, if you can restore families and stuff like that with a supernatural word of knowledge or wisdom, talking to someone and their family changes, isn't that awesome? Yes. It's not like a blind eye opening, but at the same time, I have a friend a long time ago. He was in Haiti up in the mountains. And this blind person, they have it on film, got their sight. And she went crazy. She was just, ah, just, you know, I couldn't see, now I can. Count on the, the prayers. Go back in the last three or four months and see all the times you prayed about something and what's happened with it. Go back and rehearse your victories. Because that's what Peter did when he turned around and prayed before he Prayed for the, the girl. He rehearsed the victory he saw. You got to answer prayers. Answer prayers. Okay. Okay, Luke. Do I want to go there? Yeah, I will. In John 20, verse 19, he appeared to them through a although it was a locked door, and stood in the midst again. Again. He's, how do you just show up? In this room, according to Scripture, every person here has an angel assigned to them to help them. We call them guardian angels, and that's scriptural, okay? How many of you even give the angel, it says they get stronger, they excel with the power of God's word? So you give them the word to work with, they'll work on your behalf. They'll work on your behalf. And I'm not talking about, I'm going to go seek an angel visitation. No, but they, they're there. They're in this room. You can't see them with a physical eye, but they're here. How do you know they could be here? Because when Elijah was surrounded by thousands of soldiers, by the enemy, and he comes out with his assistant, and the sister said, we're in real trouble here. He's, and he comes out and says, oh, no, there's more be for us than for them. Thousands, prophet and an assistant, two against. No, he said, Lord, open his eyes. When he did, the angelic army was all above them on the ridge, and there were more. And I love Elijah. He goes, there's more of us than there is of them. This is no big deal. 
okay, all those bad guys to you guys, and we're more. No. They're in here with you. I have children, they were little kids. I'd say, according to the word, according to the word. Now, angels, make that happen. Protect them from harm. Protect them from harm. Has anyone in here ever been protected from harm? And you knew it was angelically? Yeah, hands are up all over the place. These things really happen. The resurrection is supposed to change our life. There are 1,200 at least recorded religions. And every one of those who started that religion are in the ground but one. But one. I want to live that way. I'm not where I want to be yet with the leg, but I'm so far ahead of schedule that, well, the guy who made the leg is sitting right there visiting today, but I am way ahead of schedule. How do you do that? I talk to the Holy Spirit. I talk to him. Talk to him. Hear his voice. Do this. Don't do that. I hear that. Anybody? Or am I crazy? Answer prayer. Answer prayer. Okay. This is one of my favorites. Besides the garden area and the uh, where Jesus went and prayed in the Mount of Olives and uh, the Skull Mountain stuff, that's great. But this one has touched me immeasurably. Jesus is risen. He's at the Sea of Tiberias, which we have been to. And it's filled all the beaches area uh, with driftwood. I mean, just it would be a campfire person's dream to pick up all this and have it and cut it up. The guys are going out fishing after Jesus rose from the dead. Peter just says, I'm going fishing. They're out there all night. They catch nothing. There's a man on the beach, it says. And this is John 21, verse 1. I'll go there. I'm right next door. And these things Jesus showed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. On this wise, he showed himself. Peter and everybody else was there. He said, I'm going fishing. That's verse 3. And then in the morning, Jesus stood at the shore. But the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. And he said to them, children... Have you any meat? And they answered, no. He said, cast your net on the other side for a catch. Now, these are professional fishermen. They know which side to put the nets on because it leaves a shadow or a, a, in the water. Fish can see it and they stay away from it. They have to do it properly to, to get a catch. They're, they know what they're doing. They got nothing all night long. They threw it on the wrong side of the boat and got a net-breaking load. Oh, didn't that happen one other time when, when Jesus... That breaking load? And I hope they learned because on the first one, they, they were cleaning their nets, and Jesus said, Let your nets down. And the kind of dumb guy, he, he's one of those preachers, he doesn't know what he's doing. We've been doing this all night. We got our nets are all getting cleaned up. We got to call it a day. No, he said, Let your nets down. Nevertheless, it says, At your command, I will let the net down. 
Jesus said nets. What Peter settled for, which was a great catch, he could have had that kind of catch that he's supposed to have. There are miracles with your name on them if you'll just stay believing. There are things in process coming your way if you just don't lower a net and say, it's enough. No, I, I want the full return. I want the full harvest, don't you? Yes. He bought and paid for it and then rose from the dead. So he got all of us. One man dies for all of us. Amen. Awesome. So Peter recognizes it. Peter jumps in the water, swims to the shore. They're going to have some uh, roasted fish right there, a little fish fry. But something that's very important that I can never forget. Remember when he denied to the girl at the, at the fire where he's warming himself? Now, they have plenty of wood. The only time a fire of coals is mentioned, because Romans used the fire of coals. Jews didn't, they used the wood. Now, this is the director of tourism for the nation of Israel telling us this stuff. Okay? And what happened is he curses the girl out and he's warming his hands. When he comes in the water to Jesus and they're going to roast the fish, plenty of driftwood, he has a fire of coals. At the same setting where Jesus walked, where he walked away from Jesus and denied him, Jesus, risen from the dead, takes the time to go get Peter and bring him back in at the very same way he went out. Right. To the detail to get Peter. He'll do the same for you. You got some screw-ups going on? He'll, he'll make a door right where you're at to clean it up, to get back and walk with him. Yeah. Now Peter felt terrible and he had to say, you know I love you, you know I love you, you know I love you. <laughs> he didn't want to be embarrassed. It was heart's breaking, you know, because he, he knows that Jesus knew of the denial. Restored him. Every person in here, restored. You didn't screw up so bad that that resurrection power can't return you to your position that you need to be in Jesus Christ. Everyone, nothing you've done is that bad. He paid the price for it. Amen? Amen. Okay. Uh, let's go to Matthew 28 just got a few more for you is that okay because I want you thinking when you leave here today about God's supernatural presence in your life he said it's better that I leave in John that I leave so I can send the Holy Spirit to you if Jesus was on the planet He'd be in one place, and everybody want to go see him. Chances of you getting there is pretty tight. Yeah. But you know what? When he sent us the Holy Spirit, we all can enjoy a relationship with our Savior. Yeah. It is better, because then all of us can have the intimate, personal knowledge. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know what he'd want with me. I'm one of the foul-mouthed, basketball-playing college kid. Just pretty much... A fraternity jerk. And one day, I met the man. I met the man 
I saw him in a vision. I knew exactly who that was. It was the crucifixion scene in a play that our, where I graduated from was, was having called Godspell. And at the crucifixion scene, Mark DeLise, who played Jesus, uh, where Michael Landauer is right there, the usher up there. It's about this distance. And I look up, and he's at the cross, and it's a really cool scene and all that, and they're singing. And all of a sudden, everything changed. Everything went cloudy around it. And I saw him, and he picked up his head and looked at me. It happened for, I don't know, could have been an hour and a half or whatever. How do you know you got saved, born again? Because two people I hated the most in high school were there. I went to both of them. Jim McGaffin does not do this. The old man would not do this. I'd rather fight him. And I said, please forgive me. I asked their forgiveness. That's not the old me. You meet him. It's, it's the new you. It is the new you. I was asked if I ever thought, you know, in a conference call on ministry that was all over the, uh, Central America and Europe, uh, what do you do about burnout? And I said, I don't do anything about burnout. I'm not going to burn out. I met the man. I work for him. <laughs> There's no burnout. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. I can live a supernatural life. If you take everything I own today, I'll have more stuff tomorrow. I get to walk in forgiveness that people have their lives destroyed because of grief and bitterness about what people have done to them. I get to walk away from that because of my Jesus. He's called the comforter, the one coming alongside to help you and alleviate your grief. Yeah. Yeah. He's real. If he wasn't, I wouldn't be here today. I would have committed suicide. We lost a daughter, stillbirth, six days before her due date, and the doctor wasn't there. The nurse and I caught the baby coming out, and I can pull that up. I, didn't, I couldn't get right. I, just, I begged God to kill me and save, give my life to her. And I, for about two months, I just I contemplated how I was going to do it. A couple different ways. That's how bad it was. And then the Holy Spirit got me. In Romans 8, nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. The last verse of Romans 8. Nothing. Now that, you can use that scripture all you want, but he put that in there for me. Because that scripture pulled me out of the darkness that I was spiraling in. We serve a supernatural God who could, if you've been abused and hurt, he can take it away where it doesn't, it doesn't ruin your life and how you think. Amen. Well, I just don't know if I can trust people. Trust the Holy Spirit. Yes. The other stuff will take care of itself. It does. Amen. I'm having a good time. Uh, is it Matthew 27? No, Matthew 28. I'm, there it is. Uh, verse 16. It says, in the 11, Then the eleven went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them to go. He's going to meet them there. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some still doubted. Jesus said and spoke to them, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Okay. When Jesus says all power, that's not 75%. That's not occasionally. 
He said, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's the Savior that we love and serve. All power. I love that. Therefore you go and teach nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe the things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. I just love the fact, he told them, you guys, I'll meet you in Council Bluffs, right there at the river. Uh, I'll meet you there. They go there, he shows up, and he goes, all power, all power, all power. Now, I know a little bit about power in this time that I've gone through, because I was lifting weights. I've lifted weights for a long time, and benching and, and cur curling and doing all the stuff I need to. I haven't been able to do that. My muscles broke down. I was weak. Part of this process is to get my body strong again. And you know what? I know the difference between having power just to live life and getting it back. You need to have the Holy Spirit's power in your life to live that way. I supernaturally, through the Holy Ghost, have loved my wife and my family. The things he's taught me, showed me, the words that I've stood on have molded me into becoming the husband, the dad, and the grandpa that I am. And I want to grow more. And I want to do better. And it doesn't matter what she does. It matters what I do. Now, she'll do her before the Lord. That's not the problem. What I am saying, I'm not busy correcting her or my kids and stuff like that. They're grown people now. If I get asked advice, I give advice. But you know what? I have plenty to do getting Jim McGaffin back up to speed. Amen. But it's also been fun. How can this be fun? I've grown so close to the Lord in prayer. <laughs> you know, when it's just you in a bed and they have cut off your leg and you're laying there all by yourself at 3 in the morning, you better know him. Yes. You better know him. Yeah. Comfort you. He did miraculous things. Uh, let's go. Mark 16. Now, I'm not rah-rah preaching today. I'm simply trying to bring a truth that there was a lot of supernatural stuff that went on in those days where Jesus rose. People are walking the streets of Jerusalem who were dead. He's showing up. He's coming through walls. Let's do this one, Mark 16. This, he's commissioning them. He's going to go to heaven and he says, Go ye into the world and preach, all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. Literally in the Greek, that means go out into the world where you live. Every one of you live a life. I mean, Ellen's a teacher. Vince makes these things and helps people. We have a, a, a lieutenant colonel there. We have all these different people who experience all these different things. Go out into your world and share the gospel where you live. Where you live. The easiest ones to get to are waiters and waitresses. And all you got to do is be nice. Amen. Okay. It says, uh, he that believeth uh, and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs will follow everyone in this room that believe. 
These signs follow those who believe. Lock onto it. These signs follow those who believe. That's why we do this church. I love the people, but I come here because I know the Holy Spirit's here, and I need miracles, and I need a relationship. Merritt was talking about being drunk in the Holy Spirit. I was there when that happened. I carried, who became our children's pastor, Pastor Jerry Watershevsky, I carried him to the car. He's an electrician. He had to skip the next day. What is drunk in the Spirit? You are so wound up. It, you, remember when the Holy Spirit fell and said, these guys are, are drunk. It's just, whoa. Power of God hits you. Touch you. It's amazing. Some people laugh. Some cry. Some can't stand. Others are frozen like pillars. You just, I don't know how the Holy Spirit affects you, but he's in this room right now. I've had to stop twice because I, I what do you want me to do, sir? What do you, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm not weird. I'm just wild. I live, I live for him. It would have been three times in this ordeal I could have not made it. No, that's not what he agreed. We did everything by agreement. And he healed. He helped. He stopped what was going on. And I had a couple doctors shaking their head like, how did that happen? I got to tell nurses about, you just saw a miracle. You were here when it was bad, and I'm screaming in pain. And my wife and a few others in this church prayed, and I was instantly healed. Those nurses came back in my room later on to do some dressings and things like that. said, don't ever forget this. You saw a miracle today. The doctors gave me every bit of medicine they could to kill the pain, and they couldn't do it. Nothing worked. But prayer did. I said, ladies, no matter what, you go home today, you saw a miracle. For the rest of your life, you'll go back and you saw a miracle. And one of them was a believer. She goes, yes, I did. The other one, just like, what's going on? <laughs> These signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. That still goes on. They speak with new tongues. That still goes on. If they take up a serpent, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. And they'll lay hands on the sick, and they recover. Now please, if you've been here more than once, I've probably said it this way. You don't have to get churchy to get people healed. You don't have to bow your head, yea, though. You, you, no, don't go King James on them. It just says believer. Am I a believer? Lay your hand on them. All i got to do is pat you on the back. They don't have to know what's going on. I heal people at Bucky's, now Casey's, workers. They get healed. And I'll come back later and say, how are you doing? She goes, you know, I felt, one said, it's miraculous. I feel great. And I said, yeah, it was a miracle. Yeah. Every one of you should be healing people. Uh, I got news for you. Resurrection power is stronger than COVID. Yes. You ought to pray for people. Amen. Okay, that's Mark 16. He commissioned them. And then it says, And after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, the right hand of God. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
we've got this guy walking through doors. We've got people walking the streets of Jerusalem. And now he has his disciples and he's commissioning them to go do the work. And all of a sudden, he just goes up. Okay. I'll pick on merit. You're here. We're having a great time. You're telling us what we need to do to win the city for Jesus. And all of a sudden, you go up. We're standing here. Just imagine what that does to your senses. Because that really happened. It really happened. Uh, Acts chapter 1, we're real close to it. Acts 1, verses 8 and 9. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he spoke in these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud. He went up. He went up. They saw him. They saw him. I... I I just, just lock it down on my brain. Let's see. I'm looking for one, and I think I forgot to put it in there. But we've been studying so much in Corinthians about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, and they're coming alive in this church again. They're coming alive. They're, we're stirring up the gift that God gave us. in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians he's having a hard time the Corinthians church is out of control in fleshly stuff they don't do anything a man is living with his mother having sex with his mother and the church isn't doing anything about it that's chapter 5 they got stuff communion all messed up or they're getting drunk they're fighting and who's the greatest and all this and in 15 uh, Paul, they said, well, you're not even an apostle. Who do you think you are? So he's letting them know this. Uh, okay, verse 4 of 15. And when he was buried, he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And he was seen of Cephas or Peter, then by the twelve, and then he was seen by five hundred people. This isn't 10 or 11 guys making up a story. 500 saw Jesus. And then he says, lastly, it was me. I saw him. So you want to know whether there's resurrection of the dead? I saw him. Proves you right. Isn't that cool? Boy, he's carried up there there are three Gospels that all talk about he was just carried up. Just carried up. What would a 
multitude of angels look like in the sky over Omaha? What if the Holy Spirit could move freely and powerfully in the city to heal the race relations? They had Jew, they had Greek. They didn't mix. Let alone they had women in the church now, and women in the Jewish were not allowed. You, now you're throwing all humanity together, slaves and free. Slaves were not even allowed to look at a free man's eyes. The slave could not look. They had to stay down. They get whipped otherwise. Now they're in church together or getting together, breaking bread, having communion, loving Jesus. I just want to shake us up. I don't want us to come into church and think it's the same thing every week. When every one of us, it says, should come in with a song. We were listening to songs as we came in. We're supposed to have a word. What, that's what we're reading in Proverbs. Today is the 17th, and read the 17th proverb. But you'll get words in there, scriptures, that when you're in an elevator wasting time, you don't have to listen to the music by Muzak. You can sit there and pray. As Joshua was told, meditate, ponder, roll over and over again. The more you're conscious of him, the more your path is directed I'm going to be out there, okay? Here it comes. We oftentimes don't want a Holy Spirit-led life. Oh, yes, we do. No, because we don't want to give up our decision-making of what we want to do and say. Because if I believed He's in me and with me, I would not say that. I call it the vocabulary of grace. I have a lovely wife. We're going to shop and she tries on something. When it fits just right, it, it's gold. But not everything that looks good on a hanger fits her right. And instead of saying, no, that doesn't look good, I don't want her to, I won't say, that doesn't look good on you. I'll say, we can find something that will make you prettier. I changed my vocabulary. My temper is not what it used to be. My vocabulary has changed. How did that change? For, as being a dad, I was praying one day and he said, Deborah has a soft voice, I have a strong voice. So I can make the boys, I can raise my, you know, she can't do that. So in talking to boys, I dropped my voice down. Because they need to obey her voice as much as they obey mine. And I don't want them obeying out of fear. I want them obeying because they've been taught and they understand what's going on. Amen? Three more scriptures. For God, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes. If you're not a whosoever, you're a whatsoever. I'm telling you that is because the salvation's for everybody. I don't need it. I don't need it. Well, um, my dad, I, I just admired him so much and loved him so much best man at our wedding because the term is best man he had smoked four packs of cigarettes since the war his lungs were blown out he was in bed one day choking on his own saliva vomit couldn't get it out couldn't they took him to Clarkson Hospital now CHI and he was in intensive care 
I had a short conversation. He's got tubes down his throat and everything like that. They saved him. He lived on to give his life to Jesus. But he told me, and I couldn't argue with him, I don't need church. I don't need to believe something. And I said, yes, you do. No, he paid for us to go to Catholic grade school, all the kids. Mom was a strong Catholic, but he seldom went. Only if it was like First Communion, he'd go or something like that. But he said, I'll handle it. Whoever the God is that's there, I've lived a good life. I haven't cheated anybody. I'll take my chances. If he's if he love at all, I'll take my chances. I didn't have an answer that time. But I went up in intensive care. And he's laying there. And I, he went to sleep. And the next time he's awake, in his own bed, the next time he's awake, he's in intensive care in a hospital. He's scared. And I went to him and I prayed for him. I said, Dad, let me just say this. Do you remember when you told me that? He can't answer me. But I got his eyes. I said, do you remember when you said you'll take your chances? You got very close to finding out here, Dad. And had you died without receiving Jesus, you wouldn't go to heaven. And on top of that, I know how much you love Mom and me. We're both have given our life to Jesus. We're going to heaven. You'll never see us again for eternity. Is that what you want? I said, I'll see you tomorrow. And I just walked out of the intensive care. In out. My dad gave his life to Jesus a few weeks later. And he was, he and my mom prayed on the day he went to heaven. That's my dad. But he so loved every one of us. I wish in some ways I could have been a Christian when I was in high school, it would have saved me a lot of headaches. In my most stupid of days in high school, it would have saved a lot of headaches. But God's hand was over my life, watching out for me. He so loved you. If you're 13 years old or whether you're 83 years old, He loves you. He loves you. And if you love Him, talk to Him. I love Deborah. We know... We can use a phone, and that's fine. But if I go on a missions trip, or she would go down and see her dad and Carol in uh, Apache Junction, Phoenix, two weeks is our limit. I love this lady, and I want to hear her voice. I want to be with her. And I say, I love her. Love him. Want to be with him. Want to talk to him. We're asking every person here for the sign-up for this year to, I call it uh, Promise 22. You give me 22 minutes a day where you read the proverb of the day and one of something in the epistles and then pray in the spirit for the rest of it until you hit 22 minutes. You pr you'll be praying for, oh, 13 to 14, 15 minutes, praying in the Holy Ghost. But you know what? Your intimacy level will absolutely go off the charts. Your awareness of him every day. And when you need that resurrection power in you, He's there. He's there. You're not a freak. You're not a weirdo. You're not one of those holy roller people. No, I'm just a Christian that loves Jesus. I'm not ashamed to say it. I want to represent him the very best I possibly can. Now, this is important. I go back to my dad. You know, what if you're wrong, dad? You'll never see us again. This is Jesus in uh, chapter 14 of John.
and it's verse 6. Jesus, this is important. If you've got a red letter or red Bible, this is Jesus talking. And he says, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody will see the Father but through me. Friends, either he is the Son of God or he's crazy. And if he's the Son of God, invite him into your life today. This is not my job. I can do other things. But you're not going to stop me from being a Christian. You're not going to stop me at the workplace. I sold clothes for Landon's. Uh, a Baptist deacon, last name is Ellis, uh, was a jerk. He had a terrible reputation there. And they were doing something with a, a mannequin, doing something, and he dropped it. And they had to start over, and he goes, oh, God. And just immediate response, customers in the store, salespeople, the vice president is there at the, the cashier desk. And I, I said, he's not the dammer. I, I, I didn't eat. It just came out. Because he's in me. And I walk with him. And you're not going to blame him for you being stupid and dropping something. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The last one that I have for you today is John 11. And I hope the kids are having a ball. This is back with Lazarus. And he's going to talk to Mary. He said, and with Jesus, therefore, this is verse oh, 25. I got to get to 25. John 11, okay. Lazarus is dead. She's bawling. Jesus is coming. And she goes, Master, uh, Martha said it to him, I know that uh, I can go up further. Uh, so Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha uh, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now, whatsoever you ask of God, God will give it to you. She is already saying there's resurrection. He's dead. You, would, you could have healed him if he were here. But now he's dead, but you are here. And I still know that God will give you whatever you ask. It's amazing when people really know that you know Jesus. The family and the friends that made fun of you for being a Christian sure know who to call when they need prayer. They sure know who to call. How's that? Because they recognize the presence of God in your life. We're supposed to be light in the dark place. Every one of us should be ablaze for him with this resurrection power to heal, to mend, for God so loved the world that he gave, one of the things he did, he made me a, a much more spirit-led giver of my time, of my faith, 
of my stuff. Holy Spirit said, do that? We did. We started our church. And we were, uh, the guy, we gave our life savings to start the church. All that, at that time, it's about a thousand, a little bit more than that. You know what happened? A few years later, we were handed $15,000 worth of prime property up on the bluffs behind Iowa School for the Deaf that we could build a house on and have horses. Given to us totally free, clear. Was the thousand a good thing to do to obey God? Look what God did. And he's doing that stuff in your lives every day. Every day. Okay. Whatsoever you ask, um, let's see. Jesus said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, he shall live. And whosoever shall liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the question for everyone in this room. Do you believe this? Because he's going to go and he raise Lazarus. Bam. But he said, do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe that God wants to use you? Seriously. Not being a churchy person. Just be you. But he wants to use you. And the more he uses you, you grow in a closer relationship. The more you draw close to one another. And that's why planting yourself in the body of Christ is vital. So that you can be around people who will encourage you. Testimonies from Merrick and Beth, Leah, those testimonies mean everything. Last week I cried at the testimonies from Eric, from Tony, from Ralph. They toured their, what God's done with their life. What's he doing with your life right now? Well, I used to be really on fire for the Lord. Stir up the gift, rekindle it, get on fire. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. We came across an old uh, Hillsong song, one of my all-time favorite, Tony, Inside Out. I'm bawling like a baby. I haven't heard it in years. But it touches my spirit, man, so much. It might body responds in wanting to worship him and praise him if you've been if you're not on fire today you get on fire worship him praise him read the proverb of the day you'll get wisdom that'll help you make decisions that day if you're in sales proverbs 3 the first seven verses i call it the salesman's prayer when I needed work with my construction company, that's what I was confessing. That's what I was doing. I go to all your homes on the block and say, I'm over at Merritt's house doing work. If you've ever wanted to see, ask questions, I'd be glad to. But stop by, take a look. And I'd, hand, I, I'd do door knocking is what we call it. I do 100 doors a day, four days a week. All that time praying and confessing the word of God. Praying and confessing the word. Praying and confessing the word. Now, I've got faces in this room right now that I've added to when I think of you. I can see your face. And I pray for you. I pray for you. I pray for you. 
and okay, let me talk to the young people. I, young is younger than me, I guess. But Rick gave his testimony. He didn't want to come here. He was doing it just to appease his wife so she quit bugging. I came one time, and I'm not coming back was the mindset. Correct? Yep. But before he could get in the building, one of us greeted him and welcomed him. And it broke down that whole wall. You know who it was? That young man sitting here when he was a teenager. 13, 14 years old. 15, I don't know what it is. But Cyprus welcomed him. Every one of you are valuable. Someone here needs your help. And you know people who need the love of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Bring them, we'll grow together, and we'll have fun. We'll have fun. Martha, believe this. Today, do you believe God wants to use you? Then let him. Use me, God. He wants to. You know the prayer people, oh, I just want to be used. He'll use you if you become available. Simple as that. He's looking for the whosoever's. And you're a whosoever today. If you don't know him today, ask him right now, Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. You cleanse me from all my sin. I grew up, I'm done in three minutes. I grew up in a church setting where you worked your way to heaven and you were scared of God. You knew he was out there, but just keep him at bay. I did this so I worked. I'm being a good guy. I find out Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I don't have to work for his love. I just got to enjoy it and be with him. My kids don't have to work for me to love them. I just got to spend time with them. Just got to spend time with them. Amen? This Resurrection Sunday, I really wanted to... Have you imagined 500 people saw him go up? 500. He went through doors. He vanished. And he really did come out of the grave having paid the price for us. And he said, it's better that I leave and send the Holy Spirit to all of us than if he was just here with one person. So I just encourage you this morning, you have a spirit, you have the opportunity for a spirit-filled and led life. Let him lead you. Let him use you. You want to have fun? I call it a random act of kindness. Try to do one every day. It's a little hard when you're stuck in a bed, but still do it. Random act of kindness. You can buy a Coke for somebody at the store. You can pay for the coffee in the vehicle behind you. You can do something every day. Lord, what do you want me to do? Where's the, where's the person? Well, I keep a certain amount of money in my wallet so I can give it. It's a slow day at the restaurant. You know they're not making much money. I keep money inside. Money I get goes in and it goes out. That's all spirit-led giving. Right where the Lord with, it says he was moved. Jesus was moved by compassion. Have compassion in your heart and help someone. And help someone. A spirit-led life. 
this resurrection. The power. He just went up. He defeated hell, death, and the grave. And he gives you the same power and the authority to work for him, to be led by him. Well, I'm not you, Pastor. No, didn't say only for Jim McGaffin. It says whosoever's. And he has a way of taking the whosoever and put his super on your natural. And it's a great life. It's a great life. Amen? Amen. Would you stand on your feet and we'll close in prayer? Now, if you're a believer, it says believers lay hands upon the sick, they will recover. Did, did we not read that? Okay, so if you're here today and you have pain or some kind of sickness in your body, just lay your hands on yourself. Put your hand on yourself. Say, Father, I receive healing right now in the name of Jesus. I command the pain to leave. I command the sickness to get out of me. No more headaches in the name of Jesus. I learned to pray for people by practicing on me. <laughs> then I go and do it with other people. And I pray, Heavenly Father, I'm asking that the people in this room today will have an encounter with your Holy Spirit in the next few days that they know that they know about the relationship with you. And they'll never be able to deny. No, I, I remember when God did this, said this, moved in me. And I received that, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that every one of these people are going to have your love and your power released in their life. And they'll do signs and wonders. They'll do even greater, as Jesus said, greater works you will do. And I thank you. Amen? Amen. By the way, one of the greatest works greater than Jesus, he didn't ever get a chance to lead people to the Lord like this. We get to do that. We get to experience that Old men die, the new man comes. We get, we get to experience that with him. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't you like to be, no, that I put my hand on a sick person and they got well. Yes. To watch a spirit of fear leave a person's life. Amen. I could go on for hours. Go home, enjoy your Easter. I think we got, uh, we go to four fire stations and two police stations just out of honor since 9-11. We haven't missed the five major holidays. And they're preparing stuff downstairs and getting ready to deliver. Uh, Pastor Mike is down there and Brandon. So if you guys, uh, if you want to help, you want to donate money, whatever, uh, take care of all to, to do it. We just appreciate you taking time on a holiday for the Lord. Many since COVID didn't come back. They got busy doing other stuff. But I... I Thank you for coming today, and I invite you to come back. Yeah. Wednesdays, we're having a ball. Yeah. Yeah. We are having a ball on Wednesday. You ought to come. So God bless you. You're dismissed, and uh, have a great day. I see Amy up there. I got you. <laughs>
For more information on Liberty Church, visit libertyofomaha.com. Thanks for joining us and have a credible week.